Hi, I'm Liza, and I've been reading tarot professionally for well over a decade. And this is Tarot for the Modern Reader, the podcast that will teach you simple, actionable techniques to read the cards with more clarity, accuracy, and ease, so you can get real answers to real questions for real people, including yourself, in today's modern world. Whether your readings are for guidance or prediction, I'll help you 86 the doubt and confusion and take your skills and confidence to the next level so you can become the best tarot reader you know. This is Tarot for the Modern Reader. Hello and welcome to the Tarot for the Modern Reader podcast. I am your host, Liza, and this is episode number 10, Five Fail-Proof Tips Every Reader Needs to Ensure an Accurate Reading Every Time. So tips for an accurate reading. We all want to give the best readings ever, right? We want to be so spot on with our insights, delivering genius answers that just wow our sitter and stun them with our accuracy. We want every reading to be absolutely epic, with the sitter saying, gosh, how did you know that? The last thing we want is to be staring at our laid out cards, a vague idea, knowing this card means this and that card means that, and just kind of walking our sitter through them, because nobody is wowed by that. Okay, so welcome, welcome back. This is the practical training series at the Reader's Table. So this is a series of six episodes we are doing in a row that are designed to teach you some of the tips, tricks, and techniques that will help improve your practical hands-on tarot reading skills. So let's jump back into this week's episode. Okay, giving a good reading is about knowing what's important in a reading, and it's knowing how to set yourself up for success to begin with. Giving this great reading starts with all of the things you do before you ever even shuffle the cards. So these are my top five tips for making the most out of every reading. Now, if you're brand new, this is a good basis for setting up your readings from a good place right from the start. And if you've been at it for a little while, then you can listen in for a few little pivots that you might need to make that'll really help you take your readings to the next level. So tip number one for an accurate reading, use the right deck for you. Now, this might seem a little obvious, but... When you're reading, you really want to make sure that the deck you're using is the right one for you. And there are a couple different things that will play into that. If you know me or have been with me for any length of time, you know that I've always advocated having a deck of the RWS or a similar clone, the Rider Waite Smith deck, especially when you're new, because that's what a lot of the books and teaching sites and groups use. So to keep it for simple, I've always felt that that was um, the best option. However, over time, my perspectives have changed a little bit on this, Um, like everything, because we grow, right? I still personally feel this way about this deck, but I also feel that no matter what, you need to pick the deck that's right for you, the one that speaks to you. And because our technology and the number of creators are all just increasing and getting greater, at this point... There is such a large breadth of decks to choose from, 
and teaching materials that use all different types of decks and imagery. So it's not really as important as it used to be because nowadays it's not as common that every single site or every single book uses that deck, although a lot of them do. So if you are fond of it, I still think it's a great deck to um, to start out with and learn with. But on that note, there are a few other things that I think are really important. First of all, first and foremost, like what I'm just touching on here, it really has to speak to you. It doesn't do you any good to use a deck that you don't connect to, that you don't love, that you don't feel like is absolutely gorgeous and has imagery that you can recognize and understand. And this is kind of a trap that I would find myself falling into. So there are some decks that I think are absolutely beautiful but I don't really connect very well with the imagery. Like I think the artwork is beautiful, but I don't connect with what's in it um, as far as like relating it to my readings nearly as well. And then there are other ones where the deck is very recognizable to me, um, but I also don't love it. So you have to find that middle ground. So here's an example. I have my RWS deck, my uh, Rider Weight deck. And in that deck, all of the cards are very recognizable, right? Like the the color, the artwork, the lines, like every card looks very different. Yes, there's like repeating colors, like there's a lot of yellow and a lot of blue, but every time you turn a card over, you know what that card is. If you're brand new, you might still be learning like what each card is, but when you look at it, you can literally tell which card it is. So this is something that I would find with some of my other decks. Like, okay, here's a good example. My Polina Tarot, which I absolutely love. I could not even say how much I love all of her decks. They are just literally the most beautiful, whimsical decks. I love them. However, when I was first starting to read, that one was really hard for me because when I would put the cards down and I would look at them, I would literally have to look close and see what was written on them because until I learned them really well, the images were all very similar. The type of um, creatures that she would draw and the colors that were used. Yeah, over time, I could quickly discern the difference. But when I first laid all the cards down, I could lay down five cards and be like, oh, I got to look close to see what's written on this one and what's written on this one and then kind of convert it into my head to what I know about that card. So that was one that I couldn't read with in the beginning. It took some time for me to work up to reading with that one. Even though it spoke to me, it wasn't as easily recognizable to me. And then there are other ones that would be quickly recognizable, but they didn't speak to me. I didn't love them. Like when I looked at them, I was like, eh, this is okay, but like I'm not in love with this. So I feel like first and foremost, it's really important to find the deck that hits all of those points for you. And you might go through a couple until you find that. So another example, a girlfriend of mine um, has recently acquired the Lightseer Tarot. And that is a perfect example for me of a deck that hits both points. So even though the imagery is different than the RWS, it's still very similar in the sense that the themes that are depicted in each card really are recognizable as those themes in the RWS decks. 
And the color saturation in each card is not only absolutely gorgeous and beautiful, but different. The cards don't look the same. They don't have the same color palette, like the same background color all the way through. So even though it took me some time to know what those cards are, because they are different pictures than what's on an RWS deck, the pictures themselves are all very different from each other. So... I'm able to recognize the different cards, even if it took me a little time to learn the deck, like, oh, that's what the Six of Cups looks like in this deck, and oh, that's what the Eight of Swords looks like in this deck. But once I did, they're all very, very um, recognizable because the imagery is large in the card, the pictures are very descriptive, the colors are very saturated. So it's a good example of a deck that I absolutely love, and I can recognize the cards right away. So it's really important for you to find a deck that you feel that way about. It's really important that the deck you sit down to read for other people with, if you're reading for other people or even for yourself, connects to you in a way that makes you feel like when you flip over the cards, you're excited to see them. You recognize them instantly. It will be a great disservice to you to be trying to recognize what the cards even are before you start your reading. So save those decks that you find very beautiful artistically for when you're just working for yourself in a way that you're just learning the cards, learning from them or using them like one at a time for, you know, different projects, like, or maybe you have one set up for um, an energy that you're trying to draw in that week. So you set it up as something on your desk or your altar or whatever you use, you know, to kind of look at that card all week and draw in that um, energy, especially if you do like a card of the day and you want to set that card up for the day, things like that. Absolutely. And that's a great way to get to know those cards. But when you're doing readings that involve multiple cards, it's really important that you recognize the cards when you lay them down. So that's number one, use the right deck for you. And you'll notice, I don't just say use the right deck, it's use the right deck for you because the right deck is going to be different for everyone. Okay, number two, ask the right questions. So I talk about this so much. So the example that I like to use is if you went into the doctor's office and, you know, he said, what seems to be the problem today? You wouldn't respond with, well, you're the doctor, you tell me, would you? (laughs) No. So when it comes to your readings, we want to do the same thing. We don't want to have guessing games. We don't want to be testing. So I will, I will preface this with a little caveat. It is absolutely possible to do readings without spreads. Lots of people do them all the time. There are books on the topic. There's nothing wrong with just throwing a few cards and seeing what comes up. But again, if you're a newer reader, the vagueness is not going to be helpful to you. A lot of people don't have a question. So when I encounter this scenario, especially when I was new, I would at least try to nail down a topic. So let's say I drew the Empress card for someone. That message would make so much more sense to me and be so much clearer and resonate so much deeper with my client if we at the very least knew what life area or topic it referred to. So like, are you asking about your work or are you asking about your relationships? Are you asking about literally something that has to do with your kids or your mom, right? Some of the things that the Empress even refers to, creative projects. So knowing what area of life they're interested in or they're asking about really helps you get more uh, detailed with your cards. Now, if someone is coming specifically for a reading that is a no question reading, like 
you know, I don't really have anything that I want to know about. I just kind of want to know what the most important things are that are going on in my life right now that I should be focusing on. Well, in that case, if the Empress card comes up, because it's not an answer to something, then it really may indicate, you know, that the person that is asking this reading, although they don't know it because they're asking, like, what's the most important thing for me to focus on, then their answer might just simply be something related to the Empress card. Like, oh, well, it looks like you need to work on your relationship with your mom or as a mom or, you know, what are these creative projects that you have going on right now? You know, something related to that card. But when it's... um when it's answering a question of some sort, it's a lot more clear when you know what the question is. You also want to word your question correctly as well. And this is something I touched on in another episode, but I'm going to mention it here again. Um, how you word your question is really important. I find that a lot of times people have things that they want to know, but what they come out with is not really conducive to getting a good answer. So even when they are asking a question, you still might need to help them reframe that question. Number one, I have found people will often ask a run-on question. They will ask a question that is actually comprised of two or three smaller questions, which makes the answer that you get then a little ambiguous as well, because you don't know which part of the question it's answering. Or people will say, well, I have two things I want to know about. And they're thinking of both of them at the same time while you're shuffling. This is a good example of when you want to narrow that down. Like, give me one or give me the other, or you don't even have to tell me at the moment, but, you know, be focusing on only one of those while you're shuffling and, you know, we're getting your cards laid out. So that's something that's very important. And as well as the reframing of the actual question, when it comes to positive and negative or good and bad, light and dark, whatever the paradox is that you want to go with, I find that when someone asks a question that has a positive answer. And when I say positive, I don't really want that to mean good or bad. It's a really heavy topic nowadays to get into what's good and what's bad because we know that shadow work is also good, right? So there's a lot that goes into that. So without making it too weighty, I just want to emphasize that when I say positive, I mean literally like the the light side or, you know, the yang energy, however you want to term that. But if you ask a question that you want to get a yes answer, or regardless of what you want to get, a yes or a no, when you're getting a question, when you're asking a question, you want to align your question so that the yes cards of the deck align with a yes answer and the no cards of the deck align with a no answer. So if you were to ask, is my house haunted? And then you get the sun, sometimes it can be hard to know if that answer is yes, it's haunted because you got a yes card or it's not because you got a very positive card, a card that kind of indicates like that it drives out the shadows and things like that, right? So in this particular case, I would probably want to reframe that question in a way that I'm asking something along the lines of, is my house ghost free? And in that sense, if I get the sun, it's a very obvious yes. And if I get the death card, then it's a very obvious no. I hope that makes sense. All right, let's move on to tip number three. Use the right spread. So this is another tip that is important, especially when you're new. 
Again, if you want to free read, just like you can read without a question, you can read without a spread as well, meaning you just pull a bunch of cards and you give the info and you go right into, you know, talking about what you see. And if you're comfortable with that, that is totally fine. There was a time where I really didn't advocate reading without a question or without a spread, but I think that is also because those things are harder to do as a newer reader. And as you get to be a more experienced reader, you will likely be more comfortable with those things. So take that as a grain of salt. Um, At this point, it all depends on where you are on the spectrum and what you feel comfortable with. So for most people, especially in the beginning, having clearly defined positions in a spread is extremely helpful. So no guessing. There's this is the current situation and this is the obstacle. So figuring out what type of spread works best for you, though, and then getting good at a few specific ones is a really great idea. Even though I will free read now, like I will have if I have a question and I just want information on the question, I can just throw down a few cards and see what the cards are telling me is the most important or relevant information. You know, that's what it will refer back to me in the cards. If I want some more specific details, then I'll use a spread, like something that'll tell me, well, what's the advice in this situation? Or what's the outcome? Like that's, that really is a type of a spread. You know, even if it's only one card, if you're asking a question and you're only turning one card, that really is a one card predictive spread. Like the spread itself, even though it's only one card, it has a position. The position is outcome. That's you're making a prediction. That's the outcome. So it's just something to keep in mind. Um, Those things will help you when you're new and you need to kind of categorize things in your mind. But on this note, a lot of times we also have difficulty seeing the story in the cards. So you want to be careful not to fall into the trap of using cookie cutter readings, you know, where you're like, okay, this card in this position means this and that card in that position means that. The cards really need to have a sense of flow to them. That's the telling the story in the cards. It's the manner of relating the cards to each other, not just reading them one by one. That's something that will trip a new reader up time and time again. That's where you feel like you have to have the book in your hand and you're looking up, you know, each and every one. Now, if you're looking for a good spread, you can use my five-card mini Celtic cross spread. I've talked about that in a previous episode. I like it because it is a variation of the Celtic cross, but it's a lot simpler because it only has five cards. It still gives you the most important information, the current situation, the obstacle, the advice card, the outcome, but it allows you to work with only a smaller subset of cards. And even at that you still want to look for the flow in the cards. So even if you're using a spread, you still want to look for the patterns. And when I say use the right spread, I mean the right spread to the situation. What I like about that Celtic cross spread I just shared with you, the mini one, is that it's very adaptable to almost every question. There are spreads that are very vague and they're not really very helpful for the question that you have, or they're very specific, like a full moon in Virgo spread, right? So there's different spreads for different scenarios, and probably the best spreads are the ones you create yourself. Honestly, some of the best ones are when you have a specific question, and then you define what you want to know out of that question, and you create those positions for that question. And I don't care how new you are, you can absolutely do that. If you think you can't, it's just a mental block. You can create anything you want for yourself. There are no rules when it comes to something like that. 
So even though you're using a spread, you still want to look for that flow in the cards. And that can be kind of hard. You know, you have to recognize patterns. But in the beginning, you can look for the things that are very obvious. Like, do you have a predominance of a certain number? Do you have a predominance of a certain suit? Do you have no suit present? Because that says something. Do you have all minor arcana? Do you have all major arcana? So just looking at the overall picture can give you a snapshot of what the theme of this reading is, even if you're using a spread. Okay, tip number four, look for those that you know. So in my court card course, I teach you to assign the people in your life to the court members as a way of identifying and recognizing when those people show up in your readings. So for example, my dad is very much the king of pentacles. I don't really have any other king of pentacles men in my life. My partner is a different king and I don't have a boss. So when the king of pentacles shows up, if it's not applying to me somehow, I immediately consider if it's referring to my dad. But this strategy really applies to the deck as a whole, especially the majors. When I was in college, my program director was very much the hierophant to me. Education being an established tradition and something that falls under that card, and he was my teacher. And he also held the keys to the kingdom, my diploma, which if you listen to the very first episode of the podcast, you know how that turned out. Now, whenever I saw that card, the correlation would pop into my mind. It didn't mean higher education in every reading, because obviously that would be silly, but it did really help me make the associations of tradition, dogma, established order, teaching, all of those things based on the fact that it popped up the association in my mind with school and with my professor, other you know things that I associated with those qualities. So you can do that with any card. If you want to take some time and go over the cards and see if you can make some associations now with people in your life, that can really help you when those cards come up in the deck. Who's your mother? Who's your partner? Who's your best friend? And on that note, that is something that we do in my court card workshop. If you want to uh, take the workshop, it is terrorlize.com forward slash workshop. It's the three fail-proof techniques for reading court cards for yourself or others like a pro. And that is one of the things that we do in the workshop. We sit down and figure out who in your family is assigned to which cards in the deck. It's a 60-minute workshop in and out terrorlize.com forward slash workshop. And there should be a link to it in the show notes for this episode as well. Okay, tip number five, and this is the final tip. Let the cards speak to you. I know that sounds like something so not hands-on, but hear me out. Once your spread is down on the table and the cards are flipped over and your seeker is looking intently at both you and the cards, they're just waiting for your knowledge bombs to start dropping but you just need to relax already. You do not need to start speaking as soon as you turn over the cards. Take a moment and take it all in. Don't feel rushed. You need a moment at least to assimilate the cards together, to let this person's question kind of wash over you as you look over the cards, scanning them for themes, patterns, relating it all back to what it is that they want to know. So while the synapses in your brain are firing at lightning speed, it still takes a moment for you to kind of put all those thoughts together and put them into words. I know that I can do a reading and let it sit for a little bit and come back an hour later and come back a day later and still get new information from it. So don't feel like you are under pressure to immediately start talking the second you turn your cards over. 
This is where trusting yourself comes into play. So it can be a little scary to just start saying what you see, but sometimes that's what you need to do to get the reading rolling. It's a little trick from the tarot school. They call it the voice in the card. So when you draw a blank, you just kind of let your eyes fall over the card until one thing pops out at you. Just one thing. It doesn't even matter if it's the most insignificant thing in the card. If it's something that jumps out to you, then it means something. And you want to share what you think it means. So like, what is, what is it saying to you? That random thing in the card that jumped out at you and it gave you a thought. What is that? Even if it sounds silly, go ahead and share it. That's the card speaking to you and it matters. Okay. What the cards are saying to you is really just your intuition. There's a saying, I think it's the Marine Corps, could be the Navy. So don't shoot me. Sorry. I don't know which, uh, who it belongs to, but it goes something along the lines of when you don't know what to do, just do something. So it's like the getting, getting started with something leads to more action. And in this case, it's the clarity when you don't know exactly for sure what the meaning is. You just take a few moments to look over the cards. And the first thing that really pops out at you, that's the thing that you start speaking about. And as you speak about that thing, you'll find the words begin to flow even more and more. You'll start seeing other things and other ideas will come to you. Most often your sitter will say something to confirm some portion of that that'll spark off a uh, conversation because in the beginning, you really feel nervous. Like when you first turn over those cards, there's like this mounting pressure because they're not saying anything. They're just staring at you and they're not trying to put any pressure on you. They don't know what these cards mean. So like they're literally just waiting for you to speak first. Like you're the tarot reader. So they're just waiting for you on your side of the table. That silence is deafening, right? And you feel like, oh my gosh, there's all this pressure on me. They are waiting for me to deliver. If you just get that conversation rolling, then it turns into a two-way where they will start confirming things back and forth with you. The dialogue starts happening and all of a sudden that reading takes on a whole new meaning. It gets so much easier. Okay, so those are my five tips for you. Let me give you a quick recap. Tip number one, use the right deck. Tip number two, ask the right question. Tip number three, choose the right spread. Tip number four, look for those you know in the deck. And tip number five, let the cards speak to you. Okay, if you liked this episode, then I hope that you have listened to the ones that have come before it. And there are two more. There, the next one up is called Using and Creating the Right Spread. And the last one is going to be three tricky cards and how to confidently read each one. So these are, again, six posts in our practical training series at the reader's table. I hope that you have enjoyed it. Again, if you want to take the court card workshop, it is a 60-minute class. It will help you get your tarot court card reading skills in order. It is called the Three Fail-Proof Techniques for Yourself or Others to Reading Court Cards Like a Pro. And that is it for this episode. If you like the podcast, please subscribe. That'll help us get it out into the world, into more tarot readers' uh, earbuds. And for the first month, we are dropping approximately five or six episodes each week. So you'll get notified when each new episode comes out as well. And that is it for this one. I will talk to you again in the next episode. Bye. Bye.